You're listening to the Shoot Your Shot podcast. I'm Megan. And I'm Jen. And we are two boss babes sharing our journey in entrepreneurship. And today we are talking about customer experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But first we have to chit chat briefly about our event that we attended, hosted, shot photography at. Mm -hmm. Um, Last week we, myself and another event planner, co-hosted an amazing event in New Canaan, Connecticut. And we had such a blast. The, The room was just amazing and Megan did all the photos for the event and they came out amazing you captured like everything so perfectly it was just like reliving the experience again so now I know like how your brides feel when they get their pictures because they like relive the day oh my goodness well (laughs) now you can see what it was like for brides to experience your side of the business too because you were in front of the bar not behind it and you got to experience like your bar like in the space it was such a surreal moment for my business because I'm always behind the bar at every event that we go to. Um, and I've had one event where I wasn't there, but I didn't get to experience the bar because I wasn't physically there. We had another family wedding, so I couldn't be there for. But this time I like saw the girls in action. I got feedback live from the customers being like, oh my God, your drinks are so amazing. And it was just such a, a surreal yeah. pivot in my business. It was really was fun. cool. And it was cool to see all the other vendors too. Like I had never met Devin from All Set Up, who was you know, your partner in crime. And so it was cool to see how everybody else kind of runs their businesses like from the back end a little bit, because like with the whole setting up and everything, like she was so on top of things with moving things around and like so hands on. And it was, it turned out really, really well. So fun. Yeah. Now we we have to do more. So Ah, to be continued because we will definitely have a few more of those um, probably one per year, but <laughs> we'll see. It's a lot of work, yeah. but it was really, really fun. And it was something that, um, I just love collaborating with other businesses and, and just like being in the room with other people, other entrepreneurs is so important yeah. because it reminds you that you're not alone in all of this and you're doing it together with other people. And it was just such a fun night. Yeah. Fun night. And I got to uh, taste my own margarita for once. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause you can't, no, you can't yeah. drink on the job. So no, I mean, <laughs> sometimes, but, um, That's but so it was great. just really fun being able to experience everything. Yeah. Uh, and thanks again for your pictures. Oh, of course. <laughs> well, talking about the experience again, this, this episode, we are talking about the customer experience, which we got to have a little bit of a taste of ourselves. Um, but today we're going a little bit further into starting um, from like day one when they send in an inquiry until the day of the event and then for me in the post processes because that's only halfway through all of my work is on the day of the event so kicking us off with the lead coming in how about you get us started yes and I think this is going to be a fun episode because we can also talk about how our businesses differ so much mm-hmm. and the process of the customer you know you think could be the same but it's totally different in our businesses so I'm yeah. excited to chat about that but yeah um so when I'll talk about my inquiry and and then Megan can kind of talk about hers. This kind of stage is, is a little bit the same. So yeah. for me, um, I use Wix as my platform for my website. So when a customer, um, you know, sends me an email or if they aren't directly on my website and they're sending me a message through Instagram or something like that, I always send them my contact form because for me, it's a streamlined process. It's more professional coming from a website versus just sending a DM on social yep. media. So I highly recommend don't ever do business over direct messages, um, whether it's on Facebook, on Twitter, on not Twitter, um, <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> or can you send messages on TikTok? Yeah. You, yeah okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, or Instagram. Just just be professional. Go right through your website. Yeah. If you don't have a re- website, stay on your email. Um, and it also allows you to create a one platform for your customers to to yeah. talk to you. I think it's okay to chat like at the very beginning if they reach out through DM and they're like, hey, are you busy June 1st? You can be like, actually, yes, I'm available. Here's my contact form. Yep. So like you can chat a little bit and be like, what are you looking for? And do a little bit of the back and forth. But once you get into the actual booking details and like where they're actually submitting information into your service highly recommend doing a contact form and it can just be a link to your website for them to directly put stuff into yep exactly exactly so then once they fill that out um again this is where megan and i differ so i actually have my contact form goes right to my website so i get an email um i actually get two emails i get one to my personal and one to my business as almost like a two-step reminder that somebody put in a request Mm. um so that i know that i need to respond to it and then I input that into my HoneyBook platform where Megan is going to enlighten me <laughs> um, 
because your process is a little bit different on that. Yes. So HoneyBook allows you to directly take a contact form that you can make in HoneyBook and put it into your website. No matter what website you have, it does like a like like that really professional whatever coding it is with it's like all like the random alphabet letters and everything that I know absolutely nothing about. They just provide it for you copy and paste. Um, so it's a little bit it was I remember it was a little bit complicated for me to try to figure out where to find that and then where in Wix I was supposed to enter that into but it saves you one whole step so when Jen gets an inquiry it goes to her Wix contact form Mm -hmm. and she has to manually enter all of those details into HoneyBook whereas with me the contact form that they're entering into on Wix is actually supplied by HoneyBook so it'll pop up as if you're entering it with like a direct link from like a HoneyBook contact form Um, and that is in itself on my Wix page, which is super helpful because then when somebody submits an inquiry, I also get like the two-step notification because I have the app on my phone. So it comes to my business email and the HoneyBook app. So on my phone, I see two notifications so I can open one up and read it. The notification will disappear. And then I can still, you know, when you swipe up on your iPhone and it shows like the list of notifications, it's still there because I only opened up one notification. So that's where we differ a little bit on well, I've basically portion, been doing double the work until yeah, today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to change that. Yeah. So hopefully you you change that. If you have yeah. HoneyBook or whatever platform you use, just try to make it so user-friendly on your end mm-hmm. and seamless as possible because yep. you don't want it, you know, if you're getting multiple inquiries um, daily or weekly or monthly, you want it to be so quick. You want to respond within 24 hours. I don't know yeah. what your deadline is, but mine is 24 hours. Um and we can chat briefly. So I actually have an auto message that is sent back once um, they input a inquiry into my website. They get an auto message, which comes right back saying, thank you so much for your request. We have received it. Uh, we will respond within 24 hours. But then there's also a little message that says, please note during busy season or on weekends, it may take a little bit longer for us to respond because I want them to understand that I got their message, but I could have three events that weekend. Mm-hmm. I'm probably not going to be getting home at you know 11 p.m. and responding to them or the next morning. So right. I'll leave that to Monday, the next um, business day that I want to start working again. Yeah, I need to add that language into my response that, um, you know, I, I could be at an, at an event and like, please wait until like, I don't know, like the the like working hours during the week or something yep, like that. Yep. Um, for me, I, I have, I also have an automatic response, but mine is from HoneyBook. It sends, sends through HoneyBook, which I like because then all of the emails that they're getting from me look the same. They all will say like Megan via HoneyBook or something mm-hmm. like they're all going to have the same look to them versus like an automatic email from like your website maker and then from HoneyBook. And then if you send one on Gmail, like it might just get kind of confusing. So I like that all of my messages to them saying like, hey, we got your message. And then like from Megan via HoneyBook, like they're all going to have like the same look. Um, It just, I like the consistency with that. But um, HoneyBook allows you to do automated responses for certain contact forms. So if you have one contact form for weddings and then one for private events and then one for something else, um, you can have different responses for each form that they inquired with which is kind of nice because then you can personalize it to like congratulations on your engagement or you could say like congratulations on your graduation like you can you can kind of change the language which is nice and you can put whatever you want inside of it so for me when people get a response back it's like thank you so much for your message i'll get back to you as soon as i can here are the next steps in the booking process and then i kind of preface for them like what is coming their way so like step one the inquiry Step two, figuring out the date, time, and location, like if it was a session. And then step three would be the consultation call. Um, And that's where I really like do all of my questions with them and get to know them a little bit better. A lot of people do a questionnaire. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you do that or do you just jump right to it? I actually, I I should have talked about this prior. So on my contact form, all those questions are on there because Mm -hmm. what I was seeing is I was getting... multiple requests but they weren't telling me where the event was located and for me I only travel now especially now that I'm going to have two trailers I'm trying to stay within an hour of my home town Mm -hmm. um hour and a half max but that's really as far as we'll go um two reasons there's wear and tear on the trailer that is just crazy um and b with having two events on the same day I need to be in somewhat of a proximity of both of them um 
So they have to answer all the questions right there on the contact form. So how many people? How many hours? What's your budget? What's your location of the event? Um, how did you hear about us? Which is a huge a huge question you should have on your contact form because that's going to show what's working for you. Um, I only market in one place, which we had talked about, which is Connecticut food trucks. And I want that. I want to know if that's working. Um, I just started on the knot. I want to know mm-hmm. if that's working. So contact um, form, having that question is really important. Right. But then that goes into me allowing them the next step a little bit easier because now when I send a proposal to them, I already know how many people I kind right. of know what their budget is around, um, whether they're in my, also, side note, whether they're in your budget or not, you know, if they send you a crazy budget, it's way lower than yours, still send them pricing because you don't want to not respond. You don't want yeah. to make them feel that you're ignoring whatever it may be. Um, you know, even I've gotten some requests that are just absolutely crazy with their budget, but I send them my pricing because I want them to know what yeah. my pricing is. If they want to add to their budget, um, then they can. But I think it's important to to respond to every single customer no matter what. I agree. I agree for sure. And I think being very specific on that contact form, like you said, with um, the the venue, the hours, your your budget, how many guests. I have the same kind of basic amount of questions. And then a lot of photographers send a questionnaire afterwards with like very specific stuff. Like, are you doing a first look? Are you exchanging mm-hmm. letters during the getting ready part of the day? Um, are you doing a sparkler exit? Like these really specific things that are kind of not as important to know in the beginning, but the important stuff is the venue because if somebody is inquiring for like a Boston wedding and I'm booked the day before in Connecticut, like depending on where I am, like I might say no just because that's way too much pressure on my plate. But if it's like one's in Trumbull and one's in Westport, you know, back to back days, I'm like, oh yeah, I can absolutely do that. So those kind of questions are just really important to weed out what you can and can't do. And then, yeah, just respond and send your pricing even if they are below your budget because, you know, maybe they might really like you and they might, you know, take something from their day away to add into this Mm -hmm. budget or, um, maybe be able to save a little bit or, um, you know, get help from their parents or something. Like there's so many steps in their personal life and things that they can do to make it possible to book you if they really want to Mm -hmm. and giving them that good experience to make them really believe in you and want to book you extra um, might make them book you in the end if they, if you didn't respond and they were like, oh, you're out of my budget and just like blew it out of the water. So I don't know. And I also think it's like you had you had said some of those questions like sparkler exit, things like that are important right there. But I feel like that's allowing you to one up yourself from your competition because you're asking these questions like you're actually caring about their day. I you do, know. Yeah. I, but I kind of I do a phone call like I do a, okay. a, a Zoom call or a FaceTime or a coffee date. I always offer it to be coffee if they're local. But most of the time people just just do for zoom they usually don't take me up on it but i love meeting people for coffee and just seeing them that's awesome in person too um but yeah i usually ask all those questions like in person or over the phone once once we're on the phone because it might bring up um questions afterwards like follow-up questions and where i really the purpose of the phone call is to you know get the idea of what each person's looking for, what the couple's looking for, if I am a good fit for them. But it's also just to create their timeline. Mm-hmm. I usually make a timeline with them, sit down, talk about what's important to them, if they're doing a sparkler exit, if they want me till the end, if they really want me in the very beginning, before hair and makeup, or if you know they just want me there for the first look and they don't want any getting ready pictures. Like We talk about what's important to them with their day, make their timeline for me to give them a quote. Um, because I have different packages for different sized weddings and, um, I price hourly. So, and I, again, I think that's where our businesses differ because I pretty much have a set price Mm. unless you're adding hours. Mm. So I think this is also where our businesses differ a little because I don't really have that communication. And it's funny because I was always in sales my whole life and I was always told you need to call people. You need to have that phone conversation, which I do agree with, um, if you are really looking to secure the business and you know you feel that an email and a proposal are not going to suffice for this one you know if it's a big wedding or mm. um you know if you think that they're shopping around to other people but it's crazy and i did not think that this was going to happen in this business but like 75 to 80 percent of the time i don't even talk to the customer on the phone or have more than one conversation or email 
before they actually book mm. because I feel like I'm such a unique business that if they're looking for a mobile bar, they're probably going to book one because they right. need one. And, you know, our, our services are very unique. Um, so I, but I also feel like I've set myself up that my proposal is so detailed. My pricing is there. There's really not many questions that you have to ask outside of here's all the information I've sent to you. Um, you know, I put, if you have any questions, I'd love to set up a phone call, but most of the time they don't. Hmm. Um, I'll follow up with them. I guess we can go to this. I'll follow up with them three days after the proposal. Um, if they don't respond, sometimes I'll give them a phone call. Sometimes they're probably either not in the budget. They just don't respond. They're probably shopping around, whatever it may be. Um, and at that point, I just I take them out because we do get a lot of no responses, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah. So sad. Breaks my heart every time. <laughs> so you mentioned that you have like 80% of the people or so yep. that just book you right away and they don't get you on the phone. They don't like, don't do like all the follow-up stuff. They like, they, you get the proposal, they book and you like move on. Yeah. It's um, crazy. I didn't think that that was going to be the case, but yeah, that's. So I know that you do like a lot of personalized menus for people, right? So how do you, how do you do that if you don't talk to so them? So I do, do that they... later. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So once they book, um, I kind of entice them that there's going to be next exciting steps. So mm. in the proposal, I tell them that I provide them with a full shopping list for their alcohol since we don't provide the alcohol. Um, I tell them that I send them a full menu of specialty cocktails that they get to choose two from. You know, I, I, I tell them all these exciting things to come to kind of like preamp them for a fun experience. Mm-hmm. But they have to sign a contract and send a deposit first because I'm not wasting my time doing all of that prior to you booking with me. Right, right, right. So that's like a huge thing that I learned in the beginning because – a, I don't want to send them all this information to overload them. That's number right, one. Because right. mobile bars are a unique service. Like you don't really know what you're getting. And it's kind of overwhelming when you don't, when you're having to, especially a wedding, when you have all these other vendors. Um, but I feel like your services are much different because you're creating more of an intimate mm-hmm. experience with mm-hmm. them. So you do have that one-on-one conversation and yeah. and things like that. Um I do miss that a little bit, not going to lie, but I also am very blessed that we're busy. So I, I don't yeah. have time to have a conversation with every single person yeah. because... It means you're doing it right. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> doing something right. Yeah. But um, but this is not me to me sitting here telling you don't have those conversations. Right, right, right. Every because business is different. Every business is different. <clears throat> and even as a mobile bar, like sometimes I feel like I need to. Like if it's 150 people for a wedding, like... I might get on the phone with them because I really want that piece of business. Yeah. Um, not that your 50 person wedding or your graduation party for 50 people isn't as important, but there's not as much that goes into that. Yeah. It's less complicated. Less complicated. Yeah. Yes. Versus, you know, your the big wedding day and, right. and things like that. Um, right. Okay. So then prep calls. I guess we can dive into that because sure. that's, um, I'll, I'll kick mine off. So after you sign the contract with me, um, you've put your deposit depending on when your event is I tell you that I'm probably going to reach out to you about a month and a half prior Mm -hmm. um, and we don't really have any communication prior to that I let them know that I'm always available if you have any questions um, sometimes they'll call and just confirm the time again or um, you know if they have some questions on what cups I'm using and sometimes they want to use glassware or whatever it may be We'll have a little bit of conversations, um, but really about a month and a half is when they have a better idea of how many people, mm-hmm. and that's where I come in because you know until you get the final guest list, especially for a wedding, you get your RSVPs in. Um, I can't really give you you know your shopping list for alcohol or anything like that. So I send you the menu for your cocktails. They get to choose two on top of a full bar, um, but those two cocktails are that really fun experience. You know we use fresh ingredients. We're you know putting fun garnishes on it and flowers and edible things and it's really fun um but then we have a conversation about like again the the two weeks prior um and I sit in the shopping list they pick their menu and then I let them know I'm probably going to show up about an hour and a half prior to the event mm-hmm. t- sometimes two hours if I have to set up multiple locations um and then that's really it and then I kind of we show up the day of but I'm sure yours hmm. is much different than that yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, so I do the same with a uh, month before the wedding. I get them on the phone or, you know, month and a half, month or so, like whenever, 
whenever it works out for you know the convenience for them because i know that they're doing a lot of calls they're calling the officiant they're calling the venue they're calling their coordinator they're calling me their videographer like there's so many people for them to talk to so i kind of love that being able to do this full time like i'm super flexible on the times that they can call like if it's more convenient for them to like do a 6 p.m phone call after work like i'm able to do that i do like to do the consultation like inquiry call before then because i'm more with it but (laughs) after they've booked and i kind of know what the deal is and i don't really have to sell myself as much and it's just kind of like finalizing details i i feel like i can be more flexible with talking to them in the afternoon but um prep call yeah so i have a a retainer payment for them to set the set the date with me to book officially be in my calendar and then the final balance i ask for 30 days before the wedding so this ensures that um everything everything is you know zipped up and perfect and exactly how how we're expecting it to be so after we do the the phone call the month before the wedding we go back over the timeline make sure that everything is correct if there's any changes if they want to add hours then i can revise the invoice at that point and make the payment actually reflect the services that i'm going to be providing for them um and then you know that day if they decide oh you know nobody's dancing yet can you stay another hour on the dance floor like then they can venmo me or something the next day or the next week um but i really like doing that phone call just to you know get things in order make sure that we're all on the same page that nothing has changed that they are still going to do the first look if they're not going to do it anymore those kinds of things they might you know a year before their wedding, they might decide on, oh, we want, we want to do a sparkler exit. And then, you know, the month before they're like, oh, this really isn't going to work out. Mm So that's the reason why I do the call is to make sure that everything is still, still up to plan. Um, and everything is looking good before they actually have to pay their final balance because it would suck for them to pay for something that they've changed their mind about. Um, I'd rather figure things out on the call, on the call and then change things to be what they actually so should be. do you allow, just into payments really quick. So mm-hmm. I do a deposit as well. We do a 50% deposit. Mm-hmm. Um, that secures your date and then our final payment is due two weeks prior. Um, I've actually changed it to one week because sometimes that final count still changes a little bit, mm, yeah. um, which affects me because that affects my per person charge. Um, but if someone were to cut back on hours for you, do you allow that, that two week prior? Because now you're losing revenue. Um. So it would have to be the month before okay. if they were f- to figure it out, like on the phone call before I send, like if they want to change the balance. I mean, I so on HoneyBook, let me start over. <laughs> so on HoneyBook, when you send your proposal, you can break up one invoice into multiple payments. So that's how I do my retainer and my final balance is I set mine's 25% or 20% um, in that first payment and then they can exit it and then they can go back and HoneyBook will send them a reminder the month before if we haven't had our phone call yet for them to be like, oh yeah, I have to pay Megan. Um, and so with that second second amount, like everything is kind of already figured out. So if, if on our phone call, we're like, yep, everything was good the first time, then they can just go ahead and pay it. Um, but in, if we're changing things, then I'd have to like re-enter information and then send it back to them again. If they're increasing hours, no big deal mm-hmm. um as long as my second shooters are available to stay longer if they're needed um but for lowering hours i i would say i have like minimum hours that all work so if they're booking for like if they're booking for like eight hours i would let them go down to six okay um but if they're going lower than six then they'd be considered a different package with me mm-hmm. i have like an intimate wedding package for smaller hours got it okay. um so i wouldn't let them jump between each okay. one that late that on in the question. game yeah but um yeah because then i like i could have had a bigger yep. wedding that day exactly. or even yep. booked multiple yep if they're such so, if they're so short like yep. i if i'm free you know, after 5 p.m., I could have booked an engagement session that afternoon. Yeah, I think that's important to bring so. up because I'm the same way. Like, yeah. if if they contracted for 100 people and two weeks out, they're like, oh, we actually only have 50 people. Sorry, you signed a contract for 100 people, so yeah this is this is what it is yeah um for me same thing i could have booked an event for 100 people so i kind of um we do have a minimum for saturdays now so as long as you're still reaching that minimum price i guess it's okay um but yeah we we won't go under that yeah it's a gray area it's a little complicated because like yeah i could be i could be getting like more business if they book a smaller package but like I also like they have already booked me and I want to be there for them. So 
I wouldn't let them lower their hours extensively, but you know, if they were going from seven to six, I don't care. If they're going from eight to seven, I don't really care. Um, If they're going from a 10 hour wedding day to a seven hour wedding day, I don't really care that much. But if they're jumping from an eight hour wedding day to a four hour wedding Mm -hmm. day, then it's going to change it's going to change a lot. Yeah. And we'd have to probably talk about that. (laughs) So you have not come across this yet. That has not happened to me yet. Um, most (laughs) of the time, but it, it might just be because, you know, we go through the timeline so extensively before they even book. Right. Like it, because I do all of this one-on-one personal phone calls multiple times, it might make people, you know, more honest with what they really want rather than booking me big and then saying that they change their mind and do it later because Mm -hmm. I feel like if people do that they're trying to get a better deal out of you because they've already paid the retainer they've already signed the contract with you and then if they're like oh no we only want to do two hours of coverage then they probably couldn't afford you from the beginning yeah so I I like that talking with them on the phone Mm -hmm. I feel like it keeps things a little bit honest um it, it we really like understand each other and I don't know if it's just like I've been lucky with the clients that I've had but like I've connected so well with every client that I've had. So I don't know if I'm just somebody up there is looking out for me or what, but <laughs> knock on <laughs> luckily, wood. no, I, I feel, yeah, I see, I was in corporate for so long and we had a lot of issues of that. So mm. I think it's like instilled in me oh, yeah. that we, you know, this is what you signed your contract. And of course, yeah, this episode is about customer experience. So of course you don't want to say, Oh no, you can't do that. Or here's your contract. I always hate going back to here's the contract, but at the end of the day, that's the binding agreement that you have with your right. customer. And, and there's reasons that a contract is put in place. Um, but there's really professional ways to go about explaining that to them Um, because at the end of the day you're still working with them you're still going to be at their event you're still going to be a huge part of their event and you want to have that good relationship that you started with this is a little bit of a tangent but like if they really are a budget person and if they're honest and they say that they're their budget like there are ways for me where i i could lower the price a, a little bit in in ways to make myself more flexible for them like if they were wanting an eight hour wedding day with me and I'm not in their budget like maybe I could offer them an associate shooter and then they'd be able to get still coverage with my business but it just personally wouldn't be me because you know having an associate shoot for my business would be a little bit lower in cost than me because they're not me (laughs) but also the same like that's why I have those two different packages of like small weddings versus bigger weddings and I, I do it based off of the hours and the amount of people because I've seen smaller weddings being like 50 people and for like six hours of coverage for me and like that's very easy like I can do that by myself like I don't I don't mind it's not very crazy those kinds of people typically aren't doing all of the big major things with like the girls in their robes getting ready and then also the groom and then also all of this stuff typically the people that are doing intimate weddings don't want those things anyway so um that's why I have those two packages. So tangent over. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Love it. All right. So let's, we'll briefly talk about um, event day. We're going to probably do a whole nother episode about this, but I, I, we thought it was important to talk about the customer experience on the day of the event. So I'll start with mine. Mm-hmm. Um, I arrive about an hour and a half prior, sometimes two hours, depending on the setup, if it's an extensive setup or not. Um, I introduce myself to the clients. First thing I do, well, mine's a little different because I have to physically park a trailer. So I have to ask them, um, you know, where I'm going. When I first started, I tried to go to every venue prior to to showing up the day of so that I could see where to park. I quickly realized that that was unrealistic for me anymore. Um, so if the customer can send me a video of where they want me to be um, or they we have a conversation and they tell me about where it is, it's an easy driveway or you actually have to fit between this tiny little tent and, you know, so we have those conversations prior. So it's not a surprise day of, but for the most part, there's been many, many occurrences where they want me, I physically cannot fit and I know that I can't and I know it's just not going to work out. Um, but I feel like, should I pause? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I feel like for the most part, we figure out an alternate location for me to go and it usually works out better, which is always, mm-hmm. always great. Um, and then it takes us about an hour to set up the trailer get all the alcohol cold because we do get it from the customer um, and really have everything set up. And then we're ready 15 minutes prior. So 
So it's going to be the early birds that come. We do try to not start serving until the actual start time of the event because that's what our contract is. But if someone comes up to the bar and they're like, can I have this? You know, we we try to accommodate as needed. Um, But fun fact, if you see bartenders setting up, please do not go up to them and say, can I have a drink? Because we are not ready and you're stressing us out and you are not allowing us to finish the setup that we need to set up. So... Someone <laughs> joked with me that we should have like an open and close sign on the bar. Oh, that's cute. And have it out like prior and we'll just be like, look at the sign. We're not open yet. Because you don't want to yeah. be like rude and say like, no, sorry, we're not open. So have like a fun little yeah. tangent. So in your <clears throat> contract, when you said that you like your contracted hours of when the bar is open, um, do you include your setup time in the hours? We don't. It's funny. I actually had a call with a customer today and she thought we did, but we don't. So the setup time is outside of your contracted hours. Um, that's just something that I always knew. I do, however, um, charge for the bartender. Um, the additional hour like setup mm-hmm. time yeah. so it's not um, so I guess to answer your question yeah I do charge the full time that my second bartender is there um, but I use my time as my setup time outside of the window oh, that okay. they're they're charged for um, but then we do okay so then the event starts um, we're behind the bar the entire time so we're usually not mingling unfortunately with the mm-hmm. client as much um, which you can go into yours is much different than that. Um, but yeah, we create a fun experience during the event. Um, I do try to make sure that we are going, especially if there's two of us, which there mostly always is. Any events over 50 people, I require a second bartender. Um, so I can leave the bar at times to go make sure the bride and groom don't need another drink mm. or is there anything I can do for them? Um, just really creating that bond between them during the day because if you've been married or if you've hosted an event or even had an event at your house, you know, you're running around like crazy yeah. because you're talking to people. And, you know, even if the bride wants a glass of water, like I want to be able to provide that to her. Um, so I, I try to go up a few times during the event, especially if they have a, a wedding planner. I'll go up to the wedding planner and be like, is there anything I could do? But you do want to be the face behind the bar too. Like you want them to make sure that they are getting that experience that they paid for because we're a luxury service. So I want to be able to provide the luxury service that I'm committed to. Um, so yours is much different. You want to talk right. about Right. Yeah. So I also arrive early before my, my contracted time typically. Um, so when my day starts, I'm typically going to a hotel or like a bridal suite or something because that's where the bride is and we're doing getting ready pictures. And on the phone call, I try to help them with the timeline to decide what my hours actually need to be. And then I usually arrive like 15 minutes before I'm also contracted to just on my own dime, just because I want to make sure that I'm able to find the hotel correctly. If I make a wrong turn, it's okay. Um, And then also if I am actually there, like knocking on the door 15 minutes early, it is like a nice um, like slap in the face for them a little bit to be like, Oh, Megan's here. I got to finish getting ready. Um, so I think it is kind of helpful to be there a little bit earlier than they expect because then it it pushes them to be ahead of schedule rather than on time or behind. So if you arrive on time, then, you know, they might dilly daddle a little bit or, you know, they might be on schedule, but me arriving ahead of time makes them think that everything is, makes them think that they're behind. And I don't want to put pressure on them or anything, but it, it does make the day go by faster because mm-hmm. things with me will start 15 minutes early and you know it gives us it gives us more time to um be a little bit relaxed and gives me t- more time for the details so i usually get started on their ring details her dress hanging up somewhere and that gives me an, an extra couple of minutes too to figure out where that all needs to be because if the lighting's really bad or if i want to take the dress downstairs if there was like a nice sp- spiral staircase or like entryway I have time to figure out all of that kind of stuff. So I usually greet them at the very beginning. I'm like, hey, nice to meet you in person if we didn't do an engagement session and um, just kind of like check in with them, see how they're doing, if I can get them anything um, and if they're ready to go. And then we kind of talk about like, oh, I'm going to do the details first. I'll come back and we'll do your getting ready pictures with your mom. And then is this all, is this information still correct? We're leaving for the venue at this time. And my second shooter's on the way to the boys at this time. And I just kind of confirm all of those details before we get into things. Um, I usually don't see the groom until like the ceremony mm-hmm. because or if they're doing a first look before and family photos then that's different but 
um yeah i usually don't see the groom until like halfway through the event and my second shooter because my second shooter is there taking pictures with him and so that's kind of nice too because then the second shooter knows all the guys names and i know all the bridesmaids names and so it makes like the family photo portion and the bridal party formal photos like kind of easier because they have the connection with the groom and his side and then I have the connection with the bride and their side and we kind of help each other like wrangle everybody and then she's like Tim you know hands out of your pockets and like can you know like get kind of that rapport with people um so I really like having a second shooter for that reason it just takes a little bit of the pressure off of me to try to get to know the the groomsmen um so they're giving a good customer experience on a whole other side of the party than I am um, so I definitely vote for a second shooter and I'm making them mandatory actually for four hours or more just because it gives me a better opportunity to give them like a better experience mm-hmm. just in all. It just, it makes me feel less stressed out <laughs> and it provides more to their gallery, more variety. And I know that having a backup person at least makes me feel more secure and in case you know we'll get into some like plan b like what can go wrong at the end of this episode a little bit but like what if i got into a car accident on the way there like i'm already providing them that extra security by having a second shooter already on the way like they're already going and then there would be time for me to call somebody else to make sure that second person you know a second person is there if i couldn't make it but you know god forbid any of those things happen that's never happened to me before so knock on wood but like I don't know, having a second shooter, having a second bartender, Mm -hmm. like it just is an extra piece of security that will make sure that if anything goes wrong, you're still getting the best luxury customer, best experience that you can provide for them. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with that. Um, (laughs) We'll talk, we're going to end this episode with um, like plan B's and things like that and what if things go wrong. But we actually had an event where um, I cut my hand really bad on a glass bottle and I was like out of commission for like 45 minutes like wrapping it up and bandaging it so that I could come back but if we didn't have that second bartender like nobody would have gotten drinks that entire time Mm -hmm. so it's it's definitely very important to have other plans um okay so we we went over that so then this is also where our businesses differ um the follow-up you know the event's done it's concluded we've left everything's amazing you said your goodbyes at the end of the night (laughs) um which is very important I'm usually the last one there. So at my end of the night, it's a little different than maybe yours because um, they may have had all of their cocktails all night long. <laughs> um, but I, I make sure to say goodbye and thank you and and just tell them how great the event was. And I feel like people just like that closure of everything. Yeah. Um, so it's very important to, to have that last face-to-face interaction with your customer. Um, but then after the event, I try to, you know, if it's Saturday, if it's a Saturday, I'll probably wait till like Monday or Tuesday, but just send a thank you email. Um, you know, thank you for having us. Think it was such a great event. Just recapping how much fun we had. Um, and I always try to tell them like how great their customers were and how great their guests were, because I think that's important for, for people to hear, you know, like you're not at the bar all night with everyone. And hopefully there was no bad experiences that we have to tell them about, but you know, for the most part, people just like to see that their customers or their guests enjoyed the time at the bar. Mm -hmm. Um, So I try to recap that. And then I also asked if they could, if they had a good experience, if they could write a review for us. Um, Reviews are so important for your business for so many reasons. Um, But the, the number one reason is for potential customers in the future to be able to see what other feedback other people have had. So, um, and also if you're on Google, a review helps you get seen more on Google. Yeah. So they're really important for so many ways. And if you're not asking the customer for a review, you're probably not going to get one um, unless it was a negative experience, (laughs) which hopefully we never have. But um, I I think it's very important to ask for reviews. But your follow-up and timeline is a lot different. Right, right. So reviews are so important. I should just – I need to get a little bit better at asking people (laughs) for reviews. Um, But – yeah same at the end of the night I'll say goodbye to them um if they're not together then maybe I'll just say goodbye to one or the other Mm -hmm. because you know the bride could be in the bathroom or the groom could be at the bar and so I try to say goodbye to both of them if I can find them both but odds are they aren't together because they're on the dance floor or getting another drink or something so I I might just say be saying goodbye to one of them but um anyway um also at the event I forgot to mention that I like to provide like an emergency kit um so 
I bring like a whole duffel bag of all my flat lay details like fabrics, ribbons, ring boxes for them to choose from. Um, I don't make you provide that but a lot of brides do. They think ahead and they're like oh yeah I, met- I better get a good wooden hanger but most of the time like they had the dress comes out of plastic mm-hmm. hanger and so I just bring bring my own um but I bring band-aids safety pins bobby pins a granola bar Advil um like a whole bunch of just emergency emergency stuff because I'm with them all day long and you know I'm I'm there with with them more than even like the coordinator might be because they are going back and forth between the bridal party and then to the venue and then to the bar and making sure that the whole event is being is uh, you know ready to go before guests start to arrive but with me like i'm typically with the bride the Mm -hmm. entire day so i like to have like a little fanny pack or something in my backpack just just in case to if any if if anything went wrong so that's a little bit of that yeah a little bit of good experience that yeah that yeah most people probably don't do right but then after the event after i've said goodbye and i've gone home i try to back up all the photos like if not that night if it's really late then like the next morning back up all the pictures right away um so my camera has two sd cards in it so i already have a backup copy as i'm shooting and then i back up onto two different hard drives and i tell a lot of my customers this before they even book or they might ask me they might be like oh what's your backup system like just in case like i lost my photos or something and i'd be like it's not gonna happen because (laughs) i have two copies on my camera and then i make two extra copies so i have four copies of your wedding as i'm editing it so that's another like good thing that you can do for the customer experience is like try to think if you were in their shoes and what would all of their worries be that they might not get their photos back that your card could corrupt that you might not make it to the wedding that you might get sick you might have covid like i try to think if i was in their shoes what are a lot of the major things that would freak me out and i would want to ask them on the call because the call is kind of like an interview Mm -hmm. and you want to be able to provide them with each step of the way like what could go wrong and what you're going to do to prevent it so in the post-processing i make backup copies and then i usually send them a sneak peek the week after the wedding or or prior my my cutoff is like a week and it's just the highlights of the day some of the bar some of the getting ready photos some of the ceremony some of the party some of the toasts just a little bit throughout the day so that they have something to post right away Mm -hmm. and something that they can see and if they have any feedback for me to be like "Ooh, megan like your editing looks different than usual like this isn't what i booked you and then i can be like oh you're right sorry i was editing too late at night or something like i can like adjust things and they that's like their opportunity to tell me if i'm if they don't really like it um which of course I'm not going to totally change my style for people. Like I'm, I'm not going to shoot light and airy because that's not me, but, um, you know, it does give them an opportunity to be like, Oh, can you take this out of the background before the final gallery gets to them? Which is nice. So then, um, we have that little bit of a check-in the week after the wedding. Um, they usually send me like a message, like, thank you so much. Like it went really well, or if they have any concerns, we can, we can talk about things, but usually I get like nice feedback from them, like with that first week and they're like, Oh, everybody loves the photos. Like I keep sending it to people and like, they're so surprised Mm -hmm. or like I might get referrals at that point. Um, and people like other people posting my pictures, like other guests from the event, which is so fun to see. Um, and then when I really do my follow up is the month after the wedding when I send them their gallery. So I send people a USB in the mail also. So I guess that's like the last time when I really chat with them is like six weeks or so after once all, everything in the mail gets to them. Um, but I send them a little thank you guide with their photos in the USB that's like, here's how to look at things on your gallery, how to go to the shop option and make your photo album. Um, and then like, here's a little bit of information about the other people in your gift, because I usually send people a gift with like customized stuff from other small businesses. And like, you can leave them a review here. And then um, I give them the link to write me a review, whether they found me on the knot or they found me on Google or Instagram or whatever, Facebook, they can write the review from wherever they found me, which I kind of like because mm-hmm. I have some reviews that are only on Facebook and then I have some that are on my Google just to have things in different places for people to find me the best. And if one went down, then I'd still have some other reviews out there in the world. So, um, yeah, but I'm not very good at like pushing the review. I just kind of have it in the fine print on that guide. So you're kind of inspiring me to be like, please write a review, like make it. Yeah. It's like a reminder for them because I mean, think about it yourself. Like it's really bad, but 
usually I only do a bad review. It's horrible <clears throat> if I have like a bad experience at a restaurant or whatever it may be. But I do actually, <clears throat> now that I'm in the business, I do do good reviews if I've had a really good experience. But I don't do them a lot. So you I forget. Like, yeah. yeah. If you're not asking them, you're not. I actually send them because I usually use Google for the most part for my reviews. Um, I am now on the knot. So if it's a wedding, I'll probably send them that link. But I actually send them the link to Google. Mm-hmm. Like so they can just click on it. Yep. And then if they have a Gmail, they just have to log in quickly, um, but they're able to go right to the review. Make it so easy for them so that they have one less step to do yeah. in order for them not to maybe do it. Um, also, I started this year, I got, um, I know you do a little like um, survival kit and you send them a USB and don't you do something else? Don't you, did you do like a frame for a little bit or something? Yeah, that's part of the gift. Okay. Did, is that a sneak? Shh. Don't tell anyone. Sorry. <laughs> no, I. A lot of people know that um, okay. because brides will or couples will typically take a picture like once everything gets in the mail to them and they'll do like another thank you and tag me in their story or something. So I see that a lot and then I'll usually repost, repost it. Repost so, it. Okay. You know, okay. I didn't give away your full. No, secret. it's not a secret really, but like I don't tell them that they're getting a gift yeah, because like I, a I do want it to be a little bit of a surprise. And sometimes I, I do put some different stuff in different people's to make it a little bit more personalized. Mm-hmm. But typically it's like their USB and like some photos and then like some other like little gift so so cute yeah um but i actually um got my logo printed on like the stainless steel um cups mm. so i have wine cups and then i have like a their tumblers um so if it's a bride and groom um i'm gonna give one each for for each event because i feel like it's like a fun reminder um That's i did it cute. last year towards the end and everyone loved it they're like you know on their one year i hope they like send me a, we're drinking out of our glasses Aww. on our one year so hopefully that'll be a, a fun little thing so as we just talked about all of the fun experiences there's always potential room for error um i have been very 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 lucky that Every event has really gone over over the top, very smooth. You know, there's been challenges behind the scenes that nobody ever sees or knows about. And there's been some issues. Not every event has been perfect, but for the most part, um, we've been very lucky and very blessed. But there are always hmm. gonna be issues. So you have to accommodate to the issues that could potentially come up. So first thing you get sick. Yeah. Um there's no room for me to get sick, so I will never be sick. <laughs> but God forbid anything were to happen, like my plan B would, my husband can bring the trailer and I can hire two bartenders. That would be plan B of getting sick. But what if you get sick on the way? We have to figure that out. Mm, I, I yeah. don't really know what I would do for well, that. It's important to think about a little bit yeah. ahead of time. And you don't have to think about it for every single event, but just like in your mind, be like, if I got sick going to a wedding, like what would I do? Mm-hmm. And just kind of like think about it. So if I got sick like the week before, there's enough time for me to find an associate shooter. But mm-hmm. that's one reason why I like second shooters because, you know, I might only have them for four hours. But if I got sick, I could I could definitely contact them and be like, OK, I feel awful today. Would you mind staying for eight hours instead of four? Like I will pay you an mm-hmm. associate shooter rate versus a second shooter rate because they would be like the lead of the event. And then I would find a second shooter for them or ask them if they have a friend that they work well with that they would want to come with them instead um so that would be my plan b if i got sick but of course like if you get sick on the way like if you get nauseous on the way and you know something happens to you and you you don't have that prep time for people like that's why i like a second shooter to start with me because then you know they're there at the start and like they can stay later if if they can um but it gives a little bit of time like for me to find somebody at least for the ceremony too to be like ceremonies in two hours yeah Can somebody that's come the most important right but yeah what about if you double book because like if you feel good it's kind of the same kind of the same idea but like if you double book i mean i truthfully i feel like if i did not have honeybook i would have done a, a double yeah. book myself multiple times but i think that just goes into really having a very organized business because yeah there's no room for that type of error because if you're double booking, I mean, luckily I have two trailers, so now hopefully I don't triple book <laughs> myself. Um, but if if I went to the one trailer and I booked two events, I would literally have to cancel one of those events. And that's the worst thing you would ever do. Number one, you're ruining someone's time. You're ruining their event. They had all these plans to have you there and and you can't you know, to deliver what they're asking you for. Yep. So back to reviews, you're going to get a bad review at that point. And yep. one bad review is so critical for your business because just talking about Google, like you're going down to the bottom. Your competition just skyrocketed up above you. Yeah. Um, 
I've never double booked myself. Thank goodness. You've been a knock on wood girl. <laughs> yeah. I I have like way in advance like figured out that I I did double book myself once. Wait, you did? Yeah, but I was just second shooting okay. and I agreed to second shoot for two different people on one day. Okay. That was okay. the one that was one time where I I double booked myself, but I like they had asked me and then a week later I realized. So it wasn't like I really double booked myself. It was like for this season and it, it's still months away. So, so like they is, were fine. This but is a good question. So, it's scary though. Yeah, like know. what if I didn't figure it out so soon? soon? So when you are a second shooter for somebody else, um, do you block that off in HoneyBook? So you that know, you know? I don't use my HoneyBook calendar. Hmm. I think you do, you do right? I, oh, you don't use it at all? Mm-mm interesting you, no oh because you like to handwrite things i do <laughs> i have no, like no 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 like a, a hard copy planner and i okay. enter stuff in no. there and then on my phone calendar i do it there too but honeybook does keep track of like when you book somebody honeybook will keep track that you book them on that date so if i get an inquiry for a mm-hmm. date i already have it will tell me you might be busy this day or like you are busy this day yeah if i've had just I an inquiry how- come in it says you might be you yeah. might be booked yep. so i usually just ignore it because sometimes people ghost me or whatever yeah but like if it says you're booked with jess's wedding then i can you know yep. be like oh you're right yeah <laughs> and go double check it's but. interesting how we use honeybook in different ways i love that it's such a user-friendly service that you can use it in different ways but I live by that like if I get a new lead and they they call me or I get a you know request I immediately go right to HoneyBook and I'm like okay what do I have for that date wow yeah I don't I've never done that before really Mm -mm. I don't even I've looked through HoneyBook like I've seen the calendar Mm -hmm. but I just you know just for that I've never put anything in I've never used it I've never really looked at it see this is I love how people can (laughs) use their business in different ways and it can be successful anyway okay so now we're going to talk about the unthinkable a cancellation (laughs) no I know I'm actually dealing with this right now um I'm going to use this example and I had someone cancel from last year and my my 50% deposit is non-refundable and the reason for that is because I'm now turning away business for new potential bookings. So back to, you know, double booking, I go in my HoneyBook, if I get a lead and I say, oh, nope, June 3rd, I'm booked, I can't book anything else. I'm turning away that business. So that booking right there, your 50% deposit is allowing me to have that revenue on that date. So COVID, the the, the guest of honor got COVID two days prior to the event. Mm. Um, she was an older woman, so she could not be around people. And it was her birthday. It was her 90th birthday party, actually. So sad. So sad. Um, so we canceled the event. I had already prepped everything. I had already gotten all my supplies. Mm-hmm. Um, everything was done at that point. This was two days prior to the event. So I'm already prepared for everything. Um, with the situation, back to having a good customer experience, um, you know, obviously I felt for her. I felt bad. Yeah, and, that sucks. But it was a Saturday in the busiest season so it's you have to also put your business cap on and you have to understand that you are now a business owner also a human they're humans but this is your business this is your bread and butter um so i i did allow her to rebook the date um she didn't rebook it within that year because we were already towards the end of closer to the end of the season it just didn't work um so i did allow her to use a date for the following year um but i did say that there was going to be additional you know, additional prices that needed to be to be paid for, um, which she agreed upon. So we come up to this year and we can't agree on a new date. And she asked for the deposit back. And I was like, I, I'm so sorry, but the deposit is non-refundable. I lost business last year. Um, I, I tried to make a date work. I, we're still trying to figure out a date. So hopefully it will work out. Um, but, you know, that's that's what you signed a contract for. That is your binded agreement with your customer saying, I am no longer selling this date. I am I'm taking it out of commission and I'm booking it to you. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm doing my part. Um, again, things come up, but, you know, we tried to, to rebook. So at the end of the day, my the deposit is non-refundable. Um, unfortunately, at this point, she had paid for everything. Yeah. So that got even more challenging because, you know, it's a lot of money coming out of someone's pocket. Yeah. So we are still trying to make it work. However, you know, it's it's very hard for me to to pull out another Saturday when, you know, I'm, I'm now losing business for new customers. So you just have to, you have to do what's right for your business. You also have to be a kind human and create a good customer experience for the, you know, the guests. But um, I do try to work around multiple things. The second thing is um, weather. Like that's a huge mm, yeah. thing for my business yeah. because mo- 
mostly all of my events, you know, most will be under a tent. So we can kind of figure that out. But if there's no room for, you know, another setup um, and they're like, I need to cancel the event because there's going to be a torrential blizzard, not blizzard, mm-hmm. hurricane or whatever it may be. Um, it does say in my contract that we can, you know, set a new date that we both agree upon. Um, what's your cancellation policy? Luckily, I've only had one person cancel. Okay. So I did have to figure it out a little bit for that one person. But I think my best advice is to just try to mend things as best you can and just be as kind and professional and give people as many options as you possibly can give them. So I it was back when I did family sessions, like when I was very early on in my business and it was with, I think, a one year old. I think it was like his his birthday they wanted to do photos for his birthday or something I don't really remember um but he got sick he had like an ear infection or something he couldn't be around people and he couldn't be outside and it was like this whole big thing and they had I think it might have been for mini sessions maybe that's why it was so complicated um but yeah because in mini sessions like you pay in full versus doing a retainer or something like you pay in full you go to your allotted time slot and that's it and it's non-refundable so you know they were really upset because they paid in full and it's non-refundable because that's a time slot that could have been given to another family that, you know, I would be losing out on um, and that somebody else would be losing out on. So um, I said, it's non-refundable. Like, I, I don't, I'm so sorry. Like, I don't know what I can do for you with like with the mini session, but I could offer you like a family session outside of the minis and maybe bring a similar setup so you get kind of like the same experience um but you know i'm not having another mini session day coming up so i can't provide you the exact same experience i would be giving everybody else but we can meet one-on-one somewhere else but since you've already paid and i can bring a setup and they they said yes they agreed to that they loved it um we ended up doing a little bit of extra time because mini sessions are usually like 15 minutes 20 minutes or something and i think i gave them like a 30 minute session or something and they ended up having a great time and they left me a glowing review and then they reached out for a future session too after i decided to only do weddings and then i referred them to somebody else <laughs> but they like even that experience is, yep. is telling that they inquired for a second session like mm-hmm. later on in the year like that is so telling of like the way that i mended that that problem and like gave them a good experience even though they were you know giving me a little bit of a little bit of you know a little bit of problems like she yeah. she wrote me like kind of a nasty email being like i can't believe you're not giving me my money back i can't believe i've paid for you and you're not giving me any of your services like it cannot be non-refundable that how does that make any sense and i was like just kind of you know took it professionally and like took a step back took a deep breath and was like okay put yourself in her shoes mm-hmm. if i was a mom and i paid you know 250 dollars for something that i'm not getting back like that like think about how many diapers that would be like so i kind of like wrote down like a good email for her sat down and was like okay I feel for you I'm so sorry but like I can't I'm not doing minis but I can give you this instead and you know it ended up working out the end and it was okay and luckily I haven't had anything like that again um you know hopefully none of my couples would ever break up or cancel or postpone or anything but I do have a fee for postponing because if they've paid their retainer and their wedding isn't going to happen yet and they're going to change the date or something like the retainer sets the date with me and um if they decide to change the date like yeah they have me booked with the retainer but like they saved that date so i would have to save another date for them so that's why i have that fee because it would be paying for like a second retainer um because you know if if it's like a week or something they give me like a week notice or a month notice like people book out a year in advance and um i would be missing out on a lot of people that i've already turned away and that would just kind of suck so i have a fee for postponements or rescheduling and things like that but that's actually a really good idea i i don't have that so i feel like that's that's a good idea to have well, like some type because of... you'd have to set two dates yep. with them yep and that's yep. extra work for you yep. to try to reschedule with them and find bartenders for now another date Mm -hmm. and just makes things so complicated and what if you already have a wedding on the date that their new date Mm -hmm. like you'll have to bring out your second bar and it's just makes things really complicated so yes yes um okay and then the last one is malfunction or on my end like if I forgot some type of supplies that we need which has happened um so malfunction for me would be and and we're thinking the worst and we're putting it into the universe and then taking (laughs) it back out um knocking on wood but you know what if one of the tires in the trailer gave out or we got a flat Mm -hmm. tire or whatever um you know pulling a trailer is nerve-wracking on itself oh yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> all the things that could go wrong, especially when I'm traveling an hour um, to a lot of my events. Um, you know, AAA is always great to have, but sometimes they take two hours to come to you. Yeah. So it's like, what are you doing in that case? And you know, we have a spare tire. Um, I don't have a jack, which I'm getting this season because I need to. I'm now talking about this. Um, but I mean, luckily we do have a second trailer. So I'm like, worst case scenario, maybe I can pull the second one if it's not, you know, out that day. Yeah. But what if both trailers are out? So there's a lot of challenges that come across. And then, you know, to to thinking of supplies, you know, I, I forgot my shakers one time for an event. Like you're a bartender. That's like the one thing that you need is your shakers. And I forgot that. Um, I forgot I had a wine opener before because I'm just like so stressed and I brought it inside probably to use it, but I probably brought it inside a cleaner or whatever it may be. And I literally forgot that. But worst case scenario, that's again, the good thing about having two people, you can run out and grab what you need to get. You know, there's probably going to be a local store where you could get something, maybe not a shaker. That event actually luckily was just um, a smaller birthday party. So I just used like our cups that day, but it didn't look professional, but there was really nothing else that I could do at that point. Um, But you, you have to just like think of the plan B and, and have a solution for everything because the end of the day, your customer doesn't care that you forgot your shakers. No. They just care that they're going to have a good event. And that's what you need to deliver. You need to deliver the services that they are paying for um, and not have them see the back end of yep. the stress that you have. Yep. If you have some kind of issue, malfunction going on, try your best not to show it. Don't don't talk about it. Don't tell people about it. You deal with the problem yourself or with your you know partner if you have a second shooter or a bartender or you have somebody working for you. Like figure it out behind the scenes mm-hmm. and put on that nice smile in front of your clients. Don't don't tell them that anything is going on because they already have a lot going on. It's it's the, you know their wedding or their birthday or their mm-hmm. their graduation party. Like they are they just want it to be a good experience. They're talking to all of their guests. They want to have a good time. They don't want to deal with your problems. Exactly. <laughs> and it's just going to stress them out more and it will take them away from the party because most of the time if something goes wrong and you tell them, they're probably going to want to help you. Mm-hmm. Try their best to, you know, get you what you're missing or like try to try to help you and if if that's the case then they're not at their party anymore and so try to deal with it on your own and like come up with a backup plan ahead of time like maybe maybe now try to bring two shakers or like hide a pair of shakers in the cabinet or something and so like for me malfunctions would be like if my camera stopped working if the shutter snapped or something I bring two camera bodies and at least two lenses to any time that people book me so even if it's just an engagement session and I don't really need a ton of equipment I will still bring two camera bodies and two lenses in case, you know, my lens, you know, falls off or something, mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. I drop my whole camera on a rock, like, you know, it could happen. And so I bring backups of everything. And then same for like the wedding. I have two flashes. Like I don't need two flashes. I've never needed two flashes, but like, what if one stops working? What if, you know, it just won't take the batteries anymore. What, you know, what if it just dies? Then I have a backup for that too. And, um, now that I'm getting into video, like it gets so much more complicated because I have to bring more equipment for that. And so, um, I'm already going to be using both camera bodies. So now I'm thinking like, oh, if I'm using two cameras and I'm filming a wedding, what if one goes, goes bad? I need, I need a backup for my second camera body. So now I'm backup to a backup. Exactly. And so now I'm probably going to get a third camera body and it just Mm -hmm. like, there's so much going on but like those kind of malfunctions try to prep in your bag before before you even go so like i have a pair of flash batteries extra sd card extra extra battery that is fully charged in my backpack at all times like i never take it out and actually the other night the other day um yesterday yesterday two days ago i was at a bridal shower it was my cousin's bridal shower so like i wasn't really booked it wasn't like a, a like a big deal but i was at my cousin's bridal shower taking photos and my flash died and i realized that i packed AAA batteries instead of double a batteries and i said oh no what am i gonna do and i was like oh i brought my extra flash i forgot see you did need it so i did <laughs> need it you know um because if i if i need a flash i bring two if i need a camera i bring two and you just kind of think ahead of like what could go wrong before it goes wrong so that if it does you're already you're already ready and things are going to go wrong and yeah every event but just find a way like Megan said to not let the customer see it because Mm -hmm. there's so many ways like I've run out of ice before it was a really hot day we didn't accommodate to the ice melting in the cooler 
we had to go out and get more ice. That's and crazy. Then, yeah. It's, oh my God. We had so much ice too. Um, but you know, there's things that are going to happen and just know that and know that it's okay. It's, it's how you react to the things that happen yeah. and it's how you do it in a professional way and, and just don't let the customer say, yeah. <laughs> deliver what you, what you came to deliver. Yeah. But I think that concludes our episode today. I think so too. That's how, how we, you know, give people a good customer experience from start to finish. Um, and maybe we'll make separate episodes to elaborate a little bit more, like one on consultation calls or something. Um, but I hope this was helpful and I hope you can kind of picture this in, in your business and how you would do all of these steps yourself. So I hope it's yes. helpful. And you're not alone when, when things come mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but having a customer experience is not only going to allow that person to have such a great time at their event, but they're going to allow you to refer new business and they're going to want more people to work with you, like their friends and family and everyone at your event is a potential customer. So if you're giving your customer the best experience, you're also giving it to all the guests at the event. Yep. So, well, cheers today. And I have a lot of errands to run. It's my (laughs) Monday with no kids. Um, but we hope you enjoy this episode. Um, be sure to leave us a review because mm-hmm. reviews are so important. And also, if you want our HoneyBook code, it's going to be below. Yes, 25% off your first year of HoneyBook in the description below. Yes. Thank you, guys. Cheers. <laughs>